0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
1: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
0: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him.
1: Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. This is episode 21 of the Bowery Boys. Those fabulous asters. Hey, it's the Bowery Boys. Hey. Bowery Boys is brought to you by
0: Eurocheapo. Eurocheapo editors personally visit and review the best budget hotels in Europe. Now with hotels in New York City.
1: On the web at eurocheapo.com. Hi there, and welcome to the Bowery Boys. Uh, my name is Greg Young. And my name is Tom Myers. Welcome to another week, uh, an exciting new topic. Episode 21,
0: where we focus on the Astor family.
1: And more specifically, on their many ventures into the world of hotels. Right. And most notably, of course, the Waldorf Astoria. But there's a couple more that you may not know about that are equally as fascinating.
0: You know, I think a lot of people don't even realize that the Waldorf Astoria was starting. Started by the
1: Asters. So there's just imagine the stories to be told. And most people you hear the word Waldorf and you think, Well, isn't that a salad? Well it is and it isn't. We'll give you the ingredients and more by the end of the show. So stay tuned. We're going to the Waldorf. The Astor family, of course, is one of the most well known, most wealthy, and most influential families in New York history. Well, Tom, why don't you tell us a little bit about the first member of the Astor family, the one that started it all, named John Jacob Astor the first?
0: John J- J.J. J.J. Right. So, John Jacob Astor was born in 1763. So right before the revolution, back in Germany, in the village of Waldorf, at the age of 17, he came to New York City. He was a son of a butcher and practically illiterate. He found a job when he got here uh, cleaning beaver skins, scraping them out, cleaning them down, drying them out, and selling them. So he
1: didn't have money when he came here. He was oh no, dirt, bro- dirt poor.
0: He is one of these so-called American success stories in that he came... Pretty poor, and he left this world in 1848. The richest man in the country, That's, so you can't do much better than that, I he, guess. Right, he went from the the business selling beaver skins, actually starting his own business and living down on Water Street. Where and he was married to Sarah Todd. They lived above the store, mm-hmm. and he bought, built this over the next fifteen years into an extremely profitable business worth about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. He established a uh, trading post out in Oregon, mm-hmm. named it Astoria. Still there, huh? And right. I guess
1: the, our our own Queens Astoria has is tied into that too. I, I suppose. Well, the,
0: the village of Astoria actually was developed in that in that area of Queens, right across the river from his uh, country estate. Because oh, of course correct. that was mm-hmm. the countryside mm-hmm. up there around the mayor's mansion now Gracie Mansion yes. in this area. His estate was called Hellgate. Ah, uh, Hellgate, cheery name. <laughs> and he would l- look across. river at this little village called Astoria. They named it after him, hoping that he would actually bestow them with some great public building. And he did? Never. (laughs) He did not. He didn't give them anything. wishful
1: thinking on their part.
0: So he transitioned into real estate and actually started buying up as many properties as he could. Uh, By the end of his life, I think he held on to about 500 properties, but they were Making him a lot of money, he said at the end of his life that if he had it all to do over again, his entire mm-hmm. life, he would have bought every piece of land on the island of Manhattan. Well, if
1: we, I mean, if we, if we, if everyone knew what was going to happen to Manhattan, wouldn't we have all said that? <laughs> I suppose. But it's just that he did he do did. it. I mean, when he, <laughs> he got totally here, in, the money. Yeah,
0: yes. when he got here in 1780, you have to imagine Manhattan had 25,000 people. Sure. In it, okay when he left this earth in 1848 mm-hmm. it had 500,000 so this the city was another magnitude of course right and and he owned all of this he owned prime real estate he owned tenements he was mm-hmm. actually probably the city's biggest slum lord and that is oh, really sure. where the that is the genesis of the astro fortune. That's how they maintain their fortune after sort of building it
1: on his own successes. And
0: yeah, and when he died, he was worth the twenty to thirty million dollars, mm-hmm. which was a lot of money, obviously, back in eighteen forty-eight. So that that is the legacy of John Jacob.
1: So, but one of the. To focus back on sort of one of the things we're going to be talking about, which is the hotels, He's, he actually dabbled in hotels back when there really weren't, weren't such things as hotels as we know them today. He built the – what is would be called the Astor House, in May of 1836. So it was near the end of her, his life. It was on Broadway, down on Vesey and Barclay. Actually, there's a New York sports club there now that I used Just, to go to, curiously enough. But it's right next to St. Paul's Church. It's right off of a City, City Hall. Hall. The building was quite remarkable for its time. I mean, it had a lot of innovations that buildings didn't have at the time, including indoor pop plumbing, Mm. running water, had 300 rooms and a staff of like 100 people. I mean, you can imagine up to this point, staying in a hotel was really like just staying in like a you know, like an inn or something, right. you know, just a few people. They weren't very nice. They didn't have this a certain uh, air of quality about them.
0: Well, and people weren't, but people, I guess, were just starting to travel at this point, too. There was a revolution in tourism happening. Mm-hmm. So prior to this, you know, there just wasn't the
1: need. And the well, Astor Place would stay would stay open for the rest of the 19th century and would have so, so many famous guests, um, Andrew Jackson, James Polk, Davy Crockett, Daniel Webster, uh, Abraham Lincoln was there and actually gave a speech. So, I mean, it was that kind of a gigantic place, a centerpiece. Mm. Um, and that's where Presidents stayed. And the place was was open all the way up until 1913, when it was finally demolished. And it should be noted that on the ground where it was, one of the very first subway tunnels was dug right there. So, wow. So the Astra House was open
0: in 1836, mm-hmm. And if we're looking over our historical flow charts here, 1836, John dies in 1848, but oh, well, he had
1: some kids. Okay, so we're going to talk about Okay, we're going to go through the family tree a little bit here. It's going to be a little confusing. Okay. So, do, yeah. <laughs> listener,
0: do you have a pen and paper handy?
1: <laughs> so, if you can't quite follow along, it's okay, just as long as you're paying attention to the end part, because those are the characters that matter the most to us.
0: And side note, if you get lost, all you have to do to pretend like you know what you're talking about is either say, John, or William.
1: <laughs> because they this family... Had, You'll be right half yes. 50% of the time. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> As you'll find out, this family didn't have that much imagination when it came to names. So anyway, John Jacob Astor right. he got two sons. This, his his was John Jacob the second, who did not have any children. And who was mentally ill. So the 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 family tree sort of like curls up with him. The other son, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So William Backhouse Astor is his uh, is the son that carries on the line. William Backhouse Astor, and he was born in 1792. He had, for the intents of our story, two sons: John Jacob the third, and then William Backhouse Jr. Okay. Gotcha. Got that? Yep. All right. So, what happened with these two is that John Jacob the Third was the oldest son, so he got to run the estate and he sort of became, got the principal power and William Backhouse Jr. sort of resented him. And so throughout the year, these two brothers sort of like became estranged. And this affects their two separate branches of the family tree because there's now a, a feud that happens between these two branches of the asters.
0: So they are the grandsons of the great John Jacob. They're even alive while he is alive. Yes. And they actually had homes right next to each other.
1: Correct. And so John Jacob III had a son by the name of William Waldorf. Gotcha. So John Jacob had a son named William. William Backhouse Jr. had a son (laughs) named John Jacob IV.
0: This is. Listen, if you're still listening, we love you. No, this is this is really confusing. It, because it goes, John begat William begat John begat William.
1: So, but for the intensive of the rest of this podcast, who you need to know is John Jacob the third's son William Waldorf, and William Backhouse Junior's son John Jacob the fourth. Those are our two main characters. Right,
0: and so William Waldorf was born first in eighteen forty eight, and John Jacob the fourth was born in eighteen sixty four. Uh, just. 16 years later. So there is a 16-year difference between cousins William and John. And the cousins are not close. But the cl- cousins grew up in houses next to each other, though there was 16 years different. The two mansions uh, were next to each other on Fifth Avenue between 33rd and 34th Street.
1: So they, their houses were right next to each other, but they didn't talk to each other much. Because so <clears> so- their
0: fathers didn't really talk to each other. Either, even though they worked together in the family's uh, offices, which was down on Prince Street. And and they shared their wealth. They shared the the fortune, of course. And they were still making money off of the Astor House.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: In the decades before the Civil War, slavery's grip on America tightened. But soon, a diverse group of abolitionists, both black and white, began to construct a clandestine path to freedom for the enslaved. Hosted by Lindsey Graham, Wondry's podcast, American History Tellers, takes you to the events, times, and people that shaped America and Americans, our values, our struggles, and our dreams. In the latest series, American History Tellers explores the Underground Railroad, a covert network of secret routes and safe houses operated by men and women committed to helping enslaved people escape bondage in the South. Fugitive slaves and anyone helping them face terrible violence and even death if caught. But for those brave enough to risk the journey, the Underground Railroad offered a path to the northern states and Canada, where their freedom was assured. Follow American History Tellers on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge this season's American History Tellers, The Underground Railroad, early, and
1: ad-free, right now on Wondery Plus. So let me tell you a little bit about William Waldorf, and then Tom will tell you a little bit about John Jacob IV. I will? Yes. So get ready. (laughs) William Waldorf, he actually served in Politics for a short time, which is kind of seems kind of amazing when you learn a little bit about him. He was actually a New York State senator, but after losing a couple elections, he sort of became disenchanted with the public in general, one could mm. say. Chester E. Arthur <clears throat> appointed him to become the minister of Italy, and he lived there from 1882 to 1885. When his papa died, uh, he left William Waldorf a lot of money, becoming one of the richest men in the United States. Um, didn't want anything to do with the United states by this point however he 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 thought that he really needed to be with true blue bloods in England. So that is, in fact, where he moved in 1891. He would only come back to the United States very few times, although he would still have an incredible influence, as you're about to see. He would basically live over there. He'd become a family historian. He would always find ways to try to tie the Astor family into like a rich, long line as, back as far as he could, tr- you know. Back tr- to the tra- Crusades, right? He traced it. Well, he claims to have traced it all the way back to the Crusades but you know the press all came out hounded him they were like this is this is rubbish or the way you've connected these things is completely ludicrous he detested the press he always thought that they were trying to rip his family apart. They always thought they were pulling his grandfather's legacy asunder. He eventually bought a couple newspapers and you know played the same games as other newspapers played against him. So he stayed in England for most of his life. He actually had a castle called the Haver Castle there, which is really near the end of his life, where I think he kind of was beginning to lose it. He basically turned it into this gigantic medieval Almost like a theme park, he had like moats and drawbridges and a little a, t- a little Tudor village for his servants, and, right. and and filled the house with all these implements of torture and and old tapestries. And, and uh, how did this go over with the British press and the British people? Oh, they thought he was a, a bit of a fop. They no one no one really took him very seriously. Over here in America, he was just seen as kind of a traitor. It, there, when he moved, it was actually was, there was actually. An effigy of him burned in Times Square mm-hmm. of people who are just so angry with him. Needless to say, a little bit of a controversial, mm-hmm. a stiff man, but not but quite different than his cousin, John Jacob Astor IV. Well, John Jacob Astor IV, right, his
0: younger cousin. Uh, first, maybe we should talk about John Jacob Astor IV's mother.
1: Mother Caroline um, Astor.
0: Mother Caroline uh, was very socially connected. Her name was Caroline Skirmerhorn. She was known as the queen of the 400, the socially acceptable, prominent 400 people who mattered. The four, right? Yeah, the
1: 400 uh, were, they actually was came up by this guy named Ward McAllister, who was a southern lawyer who could have ingratiated himself into New York society and really befriended Caroline. And there was a rumor that the 400 actually meant... The, the, was the number of people who could actually fit in Carolyn's ballroom? Like, I can just totally see him make making a list of like, you know, like four hundred thirty-two people. He's like, well, we got to get this down to four hundred. Like, it's got to be a, <laughs> a strong even number. So, but it was like it was that tight, and it's so exclusive. And let say Carolyn
0: had a big ballroom because remember <laughs> yes, they had yes. they had these mansions next to each other, obviously on Fifth Avenue. When Carolyn's husband William died in eighteen ninety-two, what well, that left our john jacob taking care of his mother so Mm -hmm. he lived with his mother in the mansion uh he was a lonely and awkward kind of character he his father wasn't there very much because his dad was off yachting and all of this he was a little bit graceless he actually earned himself the name jack ass (laughs) <laughs> in the press uh because of strange things he got in a fight you know at at a restaurant he
1: but he has some he had a fun side to him did Well he? he did
0: have a fun side. He attended Harvard, he was smart. I I have to say he he invented things. He was constantly tinkering around in his in his little laboratory. He got married to Ava Willing, who was a Philadelphia socialite. They had two children but a very unhappy marriage. But while he was in his laboratory, I mean, he was doing all sorts of fun things. Uh, He was inventing a new kind of bicycle brake, for instance. (laughs) He wrote a novel about uh, a science fiction novel called A Journey into Other Worlds. I mean, he actually, he predicted a world with global warming,
1: television, automobiles. I mean, can we buy this book today? Probably not. I'd like to look that up, yeah. <laughs> well, William Waldorf a actually... A journey into other William worlds. William Waldorf also wrote a couple novels, actually, when he was in Italy, and really kind of wanted to make it as a writer. You think and was, was ridiculed, so, right? And was, yes, like everything else he did, was ridiculed.
0: Anyway, so the, John Jacob Astor, just to, to finish this little vignette, he also wanted to become a colonel in the war. He wanted to become Colonel Astor. So he did end up getting involved in the Spanish-American War. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of rescued his public image a bit
1: so to summarize we've got please summarize i need to
0: <laughs> so we've, we've, got, we've cool to drink
1: so we've got carolyn astor mama we've got and her living with her son john jacob john the fourth next door to the house of william waldorf the nephew. Now, William Waldorf was also married to a woman named Mary. And the feud that these two sort of warring branches of the family tree got, gets a little bit heated at this point because he wants his wife to be society's Miss Astor because, you know, they have parties. They go out. They present themselves. They present cards, you know, to people. At the door. And because he's the older – Yes, and the he's, elder. he's from the elder branch. So right. he has a certain importance or belief that he he does. However, Carolyn, his aunt, is she thinks that she's got it because she's the older one. She's been in society the longer, and she's got more friends, frankly. So she begins to start calling herself the mrs astor like so literally cards are are printed that say the mrs astor and this sort of sets her apart and above her nephew and so this creates a lot even more friction than before
0: right so the aunt is claiming to be mrs astor
1: mrs astor yeah
0: niece wants to be mrs astor they live next to each other They're the
1: richest family in America. (laughs) So Something's got to give here. Yeah, so what do you think William Waldorf's going to do to get a little revenge? Well, he's been dabbling, just like the very first John Jacob Astor, he's been dabbling a little in hotels. He built a hotel by the name of the New Netherland up on 59th Street and 5th Avenue. And the New Netherland was a nice place to stay, but it was sedate... He can do, but he could do better. So, where do you think he decides to build his brand new hotel?
0: Mm, any place he has a spare piece of land, perhaps?
1: Well, he decides that the, the house right next door to Carol and Astor's would be an ideal place for a hotel, and so on his house, his house, basically. So. They tear down his house and they build a thirteen story hotel there and you know it takes a while and this so in front of the, in front of the Carolyn Astor in front of her place, there is construction. For a year, what stands at its place is a 13-story hotel called the Waldorf Hotel. It opened in March of 1893, had 450 rooms, 350 baths, and completely dwarfed Carolyn Astor's manor. Like, the pictures are hilarious. I mean, <laughs> not if you're Carolyn or John Jacob IV, but it's... And you don't even really need to
0: be a sort of mansion sympathizer right? to feel for these photos. You know, you look, and... The mansion looks really small. Kind of sad. And
1: but just to, make it even, like, just to make it even worse, the hotel is a, becomes a huge magnet for society. The place, by the way, was also designed by Henry Janeway Hardenberg, who designed a place that we believe we've, been talk- we've talked about in a past podcast, the Dakota Apartments. That's
0: and also, right. And, and he- also
1: designed the plaza. Now of course I said that Waldorf lived in uh, England at the time. So really the mastermind of the Waldorf Hotel was a man named George Bolt, who was a friend of Waldorf, who had actually overseen the building of another glamorous hotel in Philadelphia called the Bellevue. So he but this man made his reputation on like supreme world-class hotelery. Hotelery? Sure. Hoteliers? I don't sure. know. Sure. Anyway, I mean he introduced the idea of room service. He put an orchestra in the lobby of the Waldorf. He had Turkish waiters; they all had to be Turkish to serve coffee. Bolt himself had um, a castle um, in the Thousand Islands, you know, in upstate New York. One of, by the way, one of Bolt's quirkier claims to fame is that he introduced Thousand Islands salad dressing on the menu of the Waldorf Hotel.
0: Wow! Which was
1: it was invented by a steward on his on his yacht. Like, even this Waldorf's guy that he hired had <laughs> just, a yacht, and his steward created a salad dressing.
0: And just wait, listener. The revelations just <laughs> keep coming.
1: So, yeah, that's so, what Waldorf did to sort of one-up. So, then, so
0: meanwhile, Caroline's looking out of the family mansion next door, and what she sees, she doesn't even get to see the hotel, really. All she sees is a big Blank brick wall. Correct. So this was a very overt slap in the face. So what does Jack do? Well,
1: Jack, I assume she, I assume she moves out, doesn't she? Or does, does she, It's probably not without a fight. But
0: well, so they right had developed plans for her to move uptown. In fact, William would help coax his aunt to move uptown. Okay. In fact, they had some moments where they were talking to each other. Jack was so mad about this, he threatened to actually rip the whole mansion down and put up a giant stable so that the entire area would just stink.
1: Well, that would, that would certainly one-up him, but probably wouldn't have been very popular with all the society folk coming to the Waldorf. So That,
0: and let's not forget that the family is also interested in the bottom line. And at this time, they thought, hold on a second. Maybe we can actually do something together. We can collaborate on a solution mm-hmm. and even make some more money. And that's exactly what they did. They decided to erect a giant, even larger hotel, on Carolyn and Jack's mansion spot, parcel of land, Uh and combine the two, though they would always have doors that could be sealed up, doors that could be closed, just in case they got into a fight and they wanted to claim their respective sides of their hotels. That makes
1: perfect sense. Now, it was a larger hotel. It was larger. The Astoria part was much larger.
0: And did you know that Jack actually wanted to call it Skirmerhorn? at
1: first. Oh, his, his, so, uh, the maiden name of his mother.
0: Right, the Waldorf skirmerhorn. But uh, William said, no, go back to the drawing board on that one. And they came back with a story named, of course, after the training post in Oregon. So they used again the same architect to combine two hotels and make it just as sumptuous and fabulous as the Waldorf.
1: Well, it was, it was the center of society for many years, and the gigantic ballroom was always filled with lavish parties, filled with upper crust decked out in jewels and mm. like beautiful dresses and people would come to the actually there was this, there was this place in between the two restaurants that was uh, where the richest women would stroll back and forth and that would be called the Peacock Alley because you could sit and just stare and this is I guess this is the equivalent of thumbing through a fashion magazine today because you'd go there and, and see this, this is what the, the fabulous people were wearing and this is who, who who they were with and like it would just fill the gossip pages the next day.
0: Well and this this was really, I think, one of the big innovations of this hotel is that for the first time, celebrities, if you will, or society people were moving out of their private lives and into the public space. They were eating, they were being seen, they were attending balls. And if you were lucky, you could sneak in if you were a Dressed probably appropriately, you could get in and you could see it all. You mm-hmm. could see it right in front of you, whereas before you had only dreamed of it or read about it in the papers. So there was a certain democratizing effect here. It was
1: accessible; you could see everything with your own eyes. So the, even if you were just peeking in the windows, so there it was this spun off. So they, they spun off a few other hotels after this. There was the Hotel Astor, which they actually built in Times Square.
0: Well, that was Williams Hotel First because place. then they started right building their own hotels. Sure. So I I believe that the the Waldorf Astoria was the only one that they actually created together. Okay, in fact, they were competing for the rest of their days on trying to one-up each other.
1: Well, I mean, they they still didn't get along, so why would they continue to collaborate?
0: Even though they were making just bushels yeah. of, of money, right. William opened up the Hotel Astor at Times Square, which was supposed to be more egalitarian. It mm-hmm. was not as pompous. It was a fresher idea. The Hotel Knickerbocker was opened in 1906. Uh, Jack would also open up the St. Regis, which was really his love in mm-hmm. 1904. It was his baby because he got to pack it with technological innovations like um, air conditioning, and oh. you know, you can imagine him sort of coming up with new concepts in his <laughs> laboratory. Making-
1: So those are the hotels that they've scattered throughout the city. Whatever became of William Waldorf and John Jacob Astor IV? John Jacob Astor IV actually came to a, I would say, a most notorious end.
0: He would. First of all, Carolyn Skirmerhorn Astor would pass away, I think, in 1909. And this would sort of free him of his very unhappy marriage that he had been sort of forced into with Ava Willing. He was able to remarry Madeline Force. Now, what's notable about this, Madeline was 18 years old at the time, and our friend John Jacob was 47. This was a perfect scandal in the press. I'm sure. America's Prominent Family a 30, well, 29 year age difference between the two of them. They they headed off to Europe to sort of celebrate their honeymoon in peace and quiet and away from the American press. That was 1912. They set sail to return home aboard the USS Titanic.
1: Ah. Oh, I mean yeah, what happened there?
0: Yes. On that fateful day on April 14th, 1912, he helped her into a lifeboat along with her maid and Bid her adieu and said, okay, I'll see you soon. And, of course, he never did. He went down with the boat. His body was found um, on April 22nd. His son, John Jacob Astor V, was born that August.
1: You know, William Waldorf... What happened to William? Well, he didn't come to quite so... That that would have been the kind of end he would have liked to have come up with for himself. But he actually died um, on October 18th, 1919. In fact, he actually died on the toilet. Okay. (laughs) But they didn't report that in the papers at the time. You know, I mean... you just, you just don't say that. But, but you know, that wasn't, that wasn't the most glamorous way for him to end. And his ashes were placed underneath one of the marble floors of one of his houses in England called Cliveden. Cliveden, by the way, I believe it, you can actually go there and I think you can have conferences there. Yeah, I think now it's some kind of conference. Center. He had sealed it, part- it up. Yes. Right, but. but now it's back open to the public. But then whatever happened to the Waldorf Astoria? Why, well, it's still open, right? Well, not so, not so fast. The uh, Waldorf Astoria that we've been talking about is the Waldorf Astoria on Fifth and Thirty Fourth. Now. What stands on fifth and thirty fourth right now
0: hmm i 've been there i 've been there in memory 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 well let 's say that in may thousand nine hundred and twenty nine the hotel actually closed why well, number of reasons, but most notably, I think it was just kind of out of date remember this was the jazz age and it was seen know,
1: as gaudy it was seen as just too, too a little too opulent
0: and and snobbish i mean this was i think it represented really a bygone era and it just let's say wasn't retro yet. Right. Not <laughs> right. to mention in 1929 the the city had been well, the country had been experiencing about a decade of prohibition which was really hard on places like hotels that relied the receipts. Yes. Yeah. So, so it,
1: it was sold to a new owner is correct? But the, Well no,
0: the the, the hotel was was demolished so that the land could be sold but the hotel was uh, before it was demolished everything inside was sold off mm-hmm. think about all of the furniture in that
1: lots of furniture was. lots, lots of, of it.
0: I mean hundreds of bedrooms so you can imagine to put it in perspective there were 125 pianos that got sold that's a, at that's auction
1: just pianos yeah
0: so they were walking through they were auctioning off every little last piece of chintz in China well
1: they even auctioned off The name, didn't they?
0: The name was given away for a ceremonial $1 to a group that was developing another hotel up on Park Avenue. And they would later call it the Waldorf Astoria. And it really has nothing else to do (laughs) with the original. Other
1: than just that name. And of course, the land where the old Waldorf Astoria... Demolished in February of 1930 to make way for... The Empire State Building. So next time you walk by the Empire State Building, instead of looking up, just look... Just look at it and just envision this really glamorous hotel that had once stood there. Or if you're so inclined, look
0: at it and just imagine two mansions sitting side by side... That really didn't want to
1: have much to do with each other.
0: And we mean no disrespect to the new Waldorf Astoria. I think that it deserves perhaps a well, podcast of its own. Well, it's, you
1: know? yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful Art Deco building. It's actually, did you know that it's where the President of the United States stays where he's, every time he's in New right. York? And as a matter of fact, there is a subway train from Grand Central Station to the Waldorf Astoria underneath the ground and was actually constructed during the time of FDR. And it would be a special train that fdR would use, wow, so that he wouldn 't have to travel to the city, you know because he was in a wheelchair and or he was you know he had polio and he didn 't like to be seen standing moving around, so he would usually travel and and under situations like that, but you should know that inside of the Waldorf Astoria there is a, um, a clock in the central lobby that was actually in the Chicago World Fair of 1893 and was bought by the Astor family and was in the old Waldorf Astoria. so a little bit of the old part is in the new part It'd so. be
0: fun actually to go and visit the new Waldorf Astoria and actually see you know what other mementos they have.
1: It's yeah it's really gorgeous. It's worth a stroll through actually so well, yep. I hope that you've enjoyed our stroll back through time uh, arm in arm with the wacky asters.
0: I hope you can keep your Johns from your Williams because <laughs> we sure
1: can <laughs> barely, and as you know, I mean the ast you can- you see the aster name pop up throughout the city, so just keep. Keep in mind next time you see that and and ask questions of us. Ask questions. questions. (laughs) And if you're
0: at next time you're at Astor Place, uh, subway stop, for instance, look along the walls. You may notice some in the tiling, in the mosaic work on the subway platform, you may see some beavers worked into those mosaics. As
1: a tribute to the original John Jacob Astor's original profession of skidding beavers.
0: And if you come to the Lower East Side, you still may see some tenements as a lasting (laughs) tribute to John Jacob.
1: that are still standing. At least
0: ours still is. I think so. We've made it through another podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you very much for listening. And by the way, check out our website. That's BoweryBoysPodcast.com We'll have some pictures of some of the stuff we've been talking about. And there's lots of other things posted up there that I think you'll enjoy. And if
0: you're so inclined,
1: you can also log into iTunes and write a review of the Bowery Boys. We'd really appreciate it those actually help out with our ranking and all sorts of other little technical stuff so and you can drop us an email
0: too you'll find the email addresses on the website boweryboyspodcast.com
1: so thank you very much for listening and have a great new york week
0: see you next week